Welcome to the Tamarind Learning Podcast, where host Dr. Kirby Ross Plock speaks with experts on many topics relevant in the ultra high net worth family wealth management space. Kirby is author of several books, including The Complete Family Office Handbook, and shares her expertise consulting with families and family offices. Kirby is also the founder of Tamarind Learning, an online wealth education platform that develops practical, foundational learning programs for beneficiaries to help them prepare for responsible stewardship of wealth. Welcome to the Tamarind Learning Podcast. My name is Kirby Rosswalk. I'm your host today, and I am thrilled to have with us a wonderful young woman who is blazing within the family business and family wealth space. We have Bryn Moynihan here today with us, and she is doing some incredible work because she's really passionate and committed to what so many family businesses and family offices and wealth creators care about a lot, which is what's happening with our next generation, how we're thinking about learning and setting them up for success, and understanding the gaps that exist for a lot um, of family business owners when they think about their next generation beneficiaries, inheritors, and owners coming up the ranks. So I have uh, an incredible amount of information about Bryn. She's incredibly accomplished and has done a lot, both in honing in her business operations knowledge and leadership and education and helping families around succession and governance and stewardship. She has a psychology degree from Skidmore College She's served in various capacities on the operation side within the fitness industry. She's also been a chief operating officer for a, a boutique wellness company in New York. So we have lots of interesting history for Bryn, but what else are we missing that we should know about you? Tell us a little bit more about your, your personal story and how you're professionally got to do what you're doing today. Sure. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I feel like my headphones are falling out. So push back in. Um, so thank you so much for having me today. It's wonderful to see you. Um, so I'm from Pittsburgh, which I learned moments ago. You were also from Pittsburgh. What a fun connection. Uh, and the way that I got into the work, so I currently work at a company called Relative Solutions, and we're a consulting firm. And it's a little bit of a roundabout way that I got here, but the sort of easy answer is that uh, I am a fourth-generation family member of a family office that's based in Pittsburgh. Um, my family was in the steel industry, which is not surprising, given that we're from Pittsburgh. Um, company was started by my great-grandfather and his three brothers in 1903, and uh, my grandfather worked for the business, my father, many, um, you know, uncles, cousins, etc. And actually, the business was sold in, kind of depends on who you ask, sometime between 1978 and 81. Uh, and the reason that there's a little bit of a question about that, I think this plays a little bit into something that my family did really well, is that... Um, when the business was sold, the person who was in charge of the business put the holdings in escrow for a period of three years, which allowed the family to make some decisions around how they wanted to proceed with those assets uh, without having to make a sort of quick decision. And um, I think that was really important because it set the tone for a lot of things that my family did really well that unfortunately many other families, family enterprises, I think, skip some steps uh, and that is inclusive certainly of education um, but uh, for so for me you know being a part of this family 
I came into it as a family office, um, which I think is a little bit different than coming into a family business where there's an active business you can go to and sort of get some sort of specific experience, maybe intern as a business or, um, you know, sit with your dad while he's, you know, writing some reports or whatever it may be. You know, it was a little bit of a different experience for me and my cousins in the fourth gen because we didn't have that same experience. Um, in fact, for me, I only found out that we didn't own the family business that my dad was still working for when I turned 18, uh, which I think is sometimes it's a little bit funny to think about. You know, I just assumed that the business was still owned by our family. Why wouldn't I? My dad still worked there. My grandfather still worked there. My dad's first cousin was the president of the business at the time. No reason for me to think that we didn't still own it. Um, surprise, I turned 18 and learned that, nope, actually it was sold 18 years ago. Um, and that was a big shock for me, maybe not so much for some of my cousins, I can't speak for them, um, but what it really alerted me to was, okay, there's something else going on here. Um, and to kind of get back to how I got into this industry, what our family did really well, at least from that point on, was we had a really fantastic internal education program for my cousins and myself. And a part of that was attending things, conferences, um, going, you know, to different learning experiences, things that we didn't get in school or, you know, even within our family office. And I kept meeting all these families and I just couldn't believe how much further ahead we were, frankly, than they were. This was probably early 2000, late, like 1998 through sort of early 2000 and more and more connections I would meet if I met them at all. Um, that really wasn't a thing back then, just really ha did not have any sense of what was going on in their families, what yeah. um, the investment strategies were, et cetera. And I thought I should get into this line of work and help some people figure this out. So uh, I sort of pivoted from my career and ended up uh, helping some other families out. <laughs> that was a little bit long-winded to say, I think my family did some really good things. <laughs> well, I wanna dig into that because I think um, what's illuminating to me is you went actually to the outside probably thinking I'm going to get more resources, right? I'm going to learn more. And then you kind of realized, holy cow, like we are super far ahead of other families who are trying to unpack and solve for this. And they are setting, right, their offspring out to different organizations to try to get more education, more information. So tell me again more about the wealth education gaps that you saw in your family and what those things that made you want to sort of come into this practice and help others. Yeah, so uh, it's, a, it's a great question. And uh, I'm going to use a metaphor that uh, my colleague Rebecca Meyer uh, sort of coined in a fantastic article that she wrote about preparing next gens for ownership. Um, she uses the metaphor of learning how to drive, and I think it's a great metaphor, and I'll show you how that ties in in just a second, in the sense that when we are learning how to drive, we actually start learning as observers, as children, right? You know, by the time you sit in a car at 15 with your learner's permit, you already have a sense of how the car works. You know that you need to put your seatbelt on first. You know that you need, you know, there's some type of key. Well, now there's not a key that you turn. Um, <laughs> there's some type of key that turns the car on. You have a sense that, you know, there's a blinker that goes, you know, to indicate what direction you're going. You have a sense of these things. Yeah. And that to me is the first step in education, which is yeah. what are we as families doing to 
showcase to our young people what we do. So as I just mentioned, I thought we had an active family business because no one in my family thought it was necessary to tell me that the business was no longer owned by the family. That was a myth. That was, you know, my observation didn't fit with reality. Sometimes mm -hmm. those observations do fit or don't, but the point is kids are paying attention. And so, you know, I think to me, first step is what, what behavior am I modeling that I want my kids to then model? The second step when you're learning how to drive is you get a learner's permit. You don't just jump into the car and get to drive on your own one day, right? So you get the opportunity to sit with a, somebody who knows what they're doing next to you. And they, you might take a course in learning how to drive. And maybe that's the sort of formal education piece that our schools certainly don't provide for us. Like what school provides investment education or like, you know, entrepreneurship, maybe these days they might, but um, most, most high schools aren't providing, you know, an education on managing a business. Um, mm -hmm. So you need to rely on other elements to provide the learner's permit element of learning how to drive. You need an adult in the room to teach you how to drive, an adult in the car to teach you. And for my family, that came in the form of a cousin's investment group, um, which I think are maybe a little bit more popular now, but kind of backtracking to remember that this is 1998 that we were doing this so very early on <laughs> in this uh in this idea and um one of the things that worked really well for us and i think that that's a really important thing also is for us you know kind of got all the cousins together we had this sort of education general education like what is the family office what does it do how do we work together and then my cousins and i were like great but this is kind of boring so how do we how do we do this for us for my yeah. cousin group how do we meet how do you make the education meet the family where they are and so for us we decided that we wanted to form an investment com company and originally the idea was you know to not use real money and we were like um you just told us we have money <laughs> so we got you know permission to each of us took five thousand dollars out of uh, our trust and pulled it into an entity and five thousand dollars not that much money and um and we started learning how to, to invest together and we got practice the same way that you get practice when you're learning to drive so now we're driving the car but at it's low stakes you know there's yep. an adult still in the room there's somebody teaching us helping us make decisions learn about investment strategy um and importantly i think also and this is really difficult you can take an investment course and learn some of this stuff you can take a business course but you can't learn the nuance and this mm -hmm. is where i think education is so interesting right is like what is the nuance of learning together as a group as a as a group of next gens um so for us the nuance came with um designing our own governance that was different from how the board of directors was run so, uh, you know, our board of directors has a very specific structure and we sort of said, that's not really for us. And we came up with our own structure. Um, so now we have some guidelines in terms of how to make decisions together. Like, you don't get that at school. Nobody tells you like, you better think about how you're gonna make decisions with your friends. Um, you know, the next sort of piece was communication. I mean, gosh, we're talking about, you know, teenagers through early twenties, like, we were not the best communicators, <laughs> to say the least. And so we really had to learn 
how to communicate with one another in a professional setting. It's a different setting from when we're off playing together and, you know, going and having fun, which is equally as important, but it's a different dynamic when you're communicating in a professional setting. Um, we, you know, not just investment decisions, but other life decisions that came through that, you know, doing that, um, all of those things for us became extremely meaningful. And then you get to this point where you're like, okay, mom, dad, I got this. I can drive the car. All right. So next step is you get to, you take your driver's test. So in my family, the driver's test was if you were interested and you could sort of tell who was interested in being on the board, you, the driver's test was the apprenticeship for the board. So we had an apprenticeship to your apprenticeship. And then if you sort of passed the exam and there was a seat available on the board, you got a chance to be elected to the board. And I've been sitting on the board for 12 years, along with uh, now many other cousins, but at the time, one other cousin came into the board with me. Um, so when I reflect back on that, I think about all of the things I never would have gotten in formal education. <laughs> so many, so many pieces of that were, would never have come from formal education and really came from um, knowing what our family needed, I think is really a big part of it. Like, what do we need for us? We were no longer an active business. So what does that mean? What does that mean we need to learn and understand in order to be good stewards, but also good fiduciaries? I mean, there's, there's a difference um, mm. between those things, right? And, um, and knowing what was going to help us is different from every other family. So that sort of assessment process, what kind of car am I driving? Am I driving like a tiny little convertible? Or am I driving a really big SUV? And like the way in which you drive those cars is different. And that's sort of like different families are going to be different cars there. Um, but you've got all of them on the road. So you got to sort of navigate around. Um, so to me, I think that was really that that particular cousins group worked well for us. And I've seen it not work well at all in other families who are like, oh, that's a good idea. We'll try it. It, it only works for the families that it works for, right? It has to be the right thing for your family. So I think there's a lot of nuance there. So I have so many questions, but I'm gonna okay. just back it up for a couple of quick seconds and think yeah. about what inspired, what was it in your family's culture or DNA that inspired to say, hey, we really need to make an emphasis or this is a value of ours and we need to put it into action was there a person? Was there a group? Was it something about the sale? I mean, tell us yeah. kind of where the emphasis came from and how did you actualize it? Because I'm hearing your story, but I'm like, holy cow, there must have been a lot of different, really important people who were guiding and creating yeah. and pressing upon. So love to learn more. Yeah, so really, really important question, actually. I think that that's a piece that gets missed a lot is who are your educators and how are they helping you guide through this? Uh, we are so lucky in our family that we've been, the current CEO of the family office has been with our family basically his entire career, not quite, but close to it, um, since he was in his mid-20s. And he was an accountant when he first, but he's still an accountant, I guess. <laughs> but uh, he came to us as an accountant to work with the family and uh, sort of grew with the family as the, as the family office has grown. And his name is David Martin, um, still works for the family in Pittsburgh, fantastic human being. And he was really the one that recognized, you know, 
This transition is going to be different from other transitions. If we want the family office to move to the next generation, it's not going to look the same as having a business where you know someone can sort of intern and work their way up the ranks. It doesn't work that way anymore. We need to rethink this. And he was really the person that got, I, I guess, really my grandfather and sort of the second generation on board. Um, because frankly, my my father at the time, you know, was relatively young himself. He was 20 years ago in his in his 40s, right? Like he wouldn't, you know, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, in his 50s, in his 50s, he was in his 50s, uh, early, early 50s, and you know he was only sort of starting to lead the ranks himself that, you know, so um, starting that early was really uh, something that David did that I very rarely see, which is thinking really far before people are going to be on the board. So I, I started with uh, our investment committee in, it started in 1999. I was 19. I didn't get onto the board until I was 30. So that's, you know, 11 years later. And in the in-between, um, David and the team at our family office really spearheaded the actual knowledge element. So they were the ones for us that were able to provide the education. So to sort of answer the question of, you know, how did, um, who sort of spearheaded the actual elements of the education, because they were also running the family office. So they knew the kinds of things we would need to know and understand. Um, that said, they, you know, for us, that was the model that worked. It is pretty rare, I think, that people who are good CEOs are good educators. <laughs> They're not usually the same. Uh, so, you know, having outside educators, um, resources, you know, whether that's consultants or outside resources uh, that you can reach out to or attend as family are really helpful. Uh, a part of my apprenticeship, I attended the um, wealth management program at, at Penn. Through that's through Camden IPI partnership. I think is uh, I think that's the partnership. Mm -hmm. As did the cousin who originally came onto the board with me. Um, so that was a very helpful piece for me as well. Uh, I also, and as did my other cousin who joined the board with me, attended the Center for Creative Leadership uh, leadership program through Center for Creative Leadership. So not, you know, it wasn't just through this one venue. And I think that's a really important piece, right? You're not going to get it all through one person or one thing. Um, but it really is about recognizing where are the gaps, where are the gaps, and, you know, being able to self-assess or being self-aware to know that you can't self-assess <laughs> and bringing mm -hmm. someone in to help your family assess and say, where are the gaps? What, yeah. what is this for? You know, um, what is our intent here? And then being able to create a, something that works for your family that fills in the gaps that your family needs. Yeah. So. Well, so I'm hearing you also um, say that you guys as a family were motivated to want to think about this in a more operating, like actually getting involved. What happens um, for the family members who say, go through the you know cousin investing experience and say, you know what, I, I kind of was curious, but like this, I don't, I think I want to be a social worker or I'm inspired by, you know, 
something completely different, right? I want to be a biologist or a doctor. Um, <laughs> so what happened to those family members who maybe needed to be knowledgeable but weren't going to be active like you joining the board? Yeah, well, I think that's a really great and important question. And um, in my family, because our engagement started at a relatively young age, we have had, uh, for the most part, most of my family is not active in that, you know, there's only so many board seats, um, but are interested. Um, we do have shareholder meetings annually uh, that when there's not COVID are, you know, full family week weekend long retreats, which I think is really important. Um, so part of the answer of that, of that question is, is it fun to be with my family? <laughs> Do mm. I want to spend time with them? Right. And uh, and that is something that we've been doing since 98 is an annual shareholders meeting slash retreat, whatever you want to call it, um, get together with the, the whole family that everyone is invited to regardless of age, the spouses are not only invited, highly encouraged. Um, you know, we have a very transparent family. I think those things are really important to keep people who are not directly and actively involved, at least interested enough to attend, to know what's going on. Um, you know, through COVID, we did, um, we really amped up our uh, sort of newsletter game, if you will. So we have a family newsletter that was sort of kind of haphazard, but COVID really got us back on track with, uh, with that, which is another way to sort of keep people informed. Um, and I think the other part of the answer to that question, Kirby, is that not everyone has to be super actively involved. I think that's, a, in my opinion, a, people want everyone to be really involved, but not everyone can be equally involved. It doesn't work in a business. It doesn't work in, you know, a family office. Everyone has to have their role. Um, so, you know, in, in my family, that also showed up in the sense that some of my family members are really interested in uh, philanthropy and are really involved with the family foundation. Some family members, we do a day of caring when we get together uh, as a family. So part of our family retreat is to volunteer. So, you know, we have different people who sort of organize that element, um, different family members that are interested more in family history and have put together mm -hmm. our family history projects. So there are other ways to be involved without needing to be a fiduciary on behalf of the family. You can still be yeah. actively involved and um, loved regardless of <laughs> whether you're, you know, showing up just to listen or you're showing up to be actively involved. Well, and just showing up is engagement and it's also yeah. meaningful in the sense that you care enough to take your time to participate and you know, I think a lot of times families struggle with, oh, do we only cultivate or do we only like support those that have an active interest when the reality is, you know, back to your car metaphor, we kind of all need to get on the road and drive places, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're all driving that car. We might be a passenger in that right. vehicle that's taken us someplace else, um, but we kind of generally need to have an awareness of A, how to drive, how to be on the road, how to work together with family members, and really what's happening, um, even if we're not directly making those changes, making those decisions, um, so we can plan accordingly. So I love your car metaphor, but I, or I should say Rebecca's car metaphor, but I also, I mean, I love the fact that you are, um, your family has modeled what it means to support really actively tracking people to you know rise and be able to participate in leadership roles and 
um, inspire broader family member engagement, but also supporting family members who have a different path, like who are interested, but mm, yeah, I don't really think I want to be active or I don't think I, that's not my calling. Because um, that's not always easy for families to like, you know, understand that education happens in both of those arenas and right. is equally important in different ways. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're talking about, you know, education gaps. And I think one of the biggest ones is that uh, in a family, the relationship element of the family is such a huge piece. And so how are we cultivating that? That in and of itself may not be a sort of formal education, but cultivating the relationship between the family members um, and finding things that are interesting and fun for everyone to be a part of uh, in and of itself, it, it is, it's, it's education in the sense that it teaches us that the family part, at least for us, is what, like, that's what makes us a family enterprise. Otherwise, we're just an enterprise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the family that makes us a family yeah. enterprise. And, and so being able to, to recognize that, I think that's the most important part. I personally really think that when we have meetings that are more than, you know, an hour or two long Zoom meeting, I'm really a big fan of making sure that at least 50%, if not more, is fun. And, you know, yes. probably closer to 70%, if you ask me, <laughs> should be fun. And then the rest of it can be the, the learning part. Um, but I think that that part is such a, an important piece. And again, you know, it's hard to do that it's hard to be all of those things, which is why resources are so important. That, that to yeah. me also is just a really recognize, being able to recognize when you need to pull in some resources is a, a big piece of that. Just get perspective, right? I mean, I think sometimes it's hard to inspire and want to be a parent, want to be a grandparent, aunt or uncle, but at the same time, maybe give some perspective on heritage or the complicated dynamics in a family. I mean, rarely do I meet any family or work with any family that has like a vanilla sort of fact pattern or story. Um, and so I agree wholeheartedly that, you know, people like yourself, Relative Solutions, other consultants who are out there helping, I mean, I do it too all the time, helping just give that perspective to what's actually happening is incredibly important to the process to prepare, right? Um, beneficiaries and owners for what's ahead because sadly it's like the investment, you know, verbiage you always hear like past performance is no indicator of future performance when we talk about investing. Well, it's the same with like grooming beneficiaries and owners. I mean, the past performance, if you were really successful, doesn't necessarily mean you are going to be successful you actually have to build that roadmap and have to right. sort of have an intention of where you're trying to get to otherwise it's the you know other saying um attributed to lots of different people any you know if you don't know where you're going any road will lead you there because you're you're right. just you're, you're going without without a compass and i think it's so important you know not only to identify the gaps, but then to say, okay, this is how we need to traverse for our family, you know, those different gaps and be intentional around what success really looks like. Um, and to, to kind of put a stick in the sand and say, this is what we want everyone to know. And this is what we want 
owner operators and leaders to know and this is what we want you as just gq family public to know um and somebody has to sort of help orchestrate that curriculum and has to mastermind um right. what exactly you're trying to achieve i mean you're living proof of it so you know this in spades um i mean if you had some parting thoughts of like what few things that you think matter most what what would you leave our listeners or yours with <laughs> so i think to me the most important thing is to know you were just start you just started to scratch the surface on this um as you were just talking is to have a sense of who who we are who is my family who who are we and what do we want to accomplish? So what is our purpose? What are our values? What are our mission? I know that consultants say that all the time, but there's a reason for it. And the reason is that it is impossible to be able to address the gaps without knowing where you wanna go. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing you have to do is know where you wanna go. And if you can't do that on your own, I get it, it's hard. It's really hard to do that kind of work internally as a family and to know how to do that. Have someone help you. And then you can create your roadmap and then you can fill in the gaps because how are you supposed to know, you know, what the future leaders need to know versus what, you know, general family members might need to know and how you want to engage with them versus how do you onboard, you know, spouses or um, what happens when the next generation starts having a next generation? How do you know if you don't know where you're headed? Uh, and so my, my parting words of wisdom are, Take a step back, um, see who are we today and where do we want to be? And then you can start filling in the gaps because you'll know what gaps you need to fill. That's awesome. Well, Brent, I am so thankful for your time and just learning more about you and your story, your family story. Um, of course, finding out that we were literally like less than four miles apart <laughs> in the small little neighborhood in Pittsburgh that we lived in. So, um, I mean, I just am so honored to have you um, on our podcast today. You've shared so many great insights. And, you know, I know there's a lot more that you and Relative Solutions have in terms of resources. So we'll be sure to share with listeners and viewers more of that information. But thank you so much again for your time thank and you. being part of the Tamron Learning Podcast. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate it.